This will be my first time getting up here with this screen. I thought I should have asked somebody, how much weight can it bear? If I get real excited and I jump up on top of this podium, that's going to crack it. I know that <laughs> much it won't, that won't last, but um, I try to keep from messing this up, all this technology. Um, Parker, you did a, a fantastic job uh, with the leading of those songs. Uh, I know you, one of the songs you got up to lead was, you know, you're, you're my all in all. Well, I, I can tell you from personal experience, years ago, after camp was over, I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm going to lead that song. It, it's going to go well. If you go to my house and pull out my songbook that I pick out my songs from, it's giant circle, do not lead ever again. <laughs> it's in that book is what I wrote after that attempt. Uh, and I was for sure, it was like, this is written totally different than what we sing at camp. But, uh, you know, it's, it's me. It was the person lead the singing. That's who it was. Uh, but you did, you did a fan, fantastic job on, on that. Uh, tonight, uh, for tonight's lesson, we're going to look a little bit about some of the choices, some of the mistakes that Lot made in his life. We, um, this morning, John's lesson, he he went pretty quickly to, to Genesis chapter 18, and he started talking about Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot, and I thought, well, this will be a refresher course, uh, but maybe mine's a, a stretched a little bit different. Um, I had John Mayberry in my mind when I, when I wrote this lesson, because uh, uh, last week when he, he talked about influence, or the week before, and I was thinking, it, it's, such a, it's such a great importance part of our life on who surrounds us typically influences our lives very much more than we ourselves are even willing to admit and we know we had that bond between Abraham and Lot and, and uh, Randy as he read but uh, uh, we know Lot for the most part because of his relationship with Abraham right him and his family uh, they narrowly escaped, most did, or some did, from, uh, from the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. He, he lost everything after that night, for the most part. He lost his wife. She turns into a pillar of salt. He's broke, for the most part. He lost many of his possessions. He, he sacrificed his influence that he had. Of um, you know, We look at Lot as being a righteous person, but he doesn't look so righteous as he's running from his life before they destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. The people of Sodom, they des despised him, and his daughters, in the end, will disgrace him. Lot had grown around people of great wisdom his entire life. We, we know from, from the beginning that he walked under some of the holiest, most righteous people that we read about in the Bible from the very beginning, but a series of bad choices ended up ruining him and his life. Lot was the son to a man by the name of Haran, if I said that correctly, but more better known for being the nephew of Abraham. Lot represents so many men and women in the world today where you find so few men of faith in the bible men that we look at men that we want to live up to and and have um, 
You know, you always want to turn over to Hebrews, the men of faith. You know, there's only so many people in that chapter, in Hebrews chapter 11, right? But we find a lot of lots in the Bible, thousands of men and women who acted out like Lot did, didn't we? If you ever uh, heard someone use the phrase, he rode so-and-so's coattails the whole time. When you look at Lot's story, that's what a lot of it looks like. Lot was riding the coattails of someone else until he decided he would take over for himself. When he became rich, uh, from following after his family just to lose it by trying to, to break away on his own. From, from Genesis chapter 12 through chapter 13, you see how Lot and his family had followed Abraham very closely from that point. From, from Haran to Canaan and from Canaan, you, uh, there was a famine in the country, so they went to Egypt. And then from Egypt back to uh, Ai, as, as Randy read, all this time he watched and he learned from his elders and became very wealthy in the process. Both him and Abraham uh, stayed for what we know. We know Abraham for sure, but for all we know it's written in the Bible, both Abraham and Lot both stayed childless during this whole process. So that kept them maybe a little closer, not having the, uh, the heir to their family for themselves. Maybe Lot even thought to himself, Uncle Abraham, who is very wealthy, um, I've been close to him for all of these years and followed after him, and we get along, maybe I will receive his inheritance. The such was not ever intended to be the case, was it? Problem was... They were too wealthy. And you think of that and you think, oh, too wealthy, uh, how is that a problem? But that was the, the problem between Abraham and Lot was they were too wealthy. The land could not contain them because of the size that they had become, because of the herds were too big and their possessions were too great. You notice in verse 2, uh, there it says not only were they wealthy, but it says that Abram was very rich. And in the Bible, when, they, when you look and you start reading things in the Bible, and they put these, uh, these adjectives next to them, sometimes we can lose the influence, the importance, I guess you would say, of how great this was. Very rich. When I look out at people in this country who are, are very rich, who do we think of? Are we looking at someone in this auditorium right now as very rich? No, not necessarily. We are looking at the Bill Gates. We are looking at the people who, uh, the man who invented Apple. We, we're looking at people who all over this world recognize they have done something that nobody else has done and they have wealth beyond any of our comprehension uh, I, was, I was just sitting there and I thought, well, Elon Musk is now the richest person in the world. Uh, I said, well, well how rich is, is he? How rich is Elon Musk? So according to the Google, if, if you want to believe what it says, and I have no other way of knowing, but uh, 
It says that Elon makes $22,500 every minute. Try to wrap that around your head. Every minute, $22,500. I don't know if Abraham was that rich, but he was more wealthy than anyone that in that entire area had. But Lot himself, because he had rode so as to speak Abraham's coattail, he also had become very, very wealthy to the point that they can no longer live together. Their family that has been together for, for, you know, for many, many years is going to have to break up, not because of anything that they've done to each other, but because they're just too big. So in verse 7, it says, And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock and the Canaanites and the Preserites that dwelt in the land. So the two, the two uh, families were, had all their possessions together and the herdsmen couldn't keep the, the flocks apart and one didn't want to be with the other one. Both were wanting to uh, break away so that um, there wouldn't be any question as to whose was what and uh, things like that. So after all those years, they decide that it's time for them to split up. So you have there in verses 8 and 9, it says, So Abraham said to Lot, Please, let there be no strife between you and me, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Let's not fight about this. Lot, let's not, let's not get into this. You know, I don't want to have, um, you know, bad feelings towards you. And he says, Is not this whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. The greater, the wiser, you would say, offers the younger the choice of the land. Why did Abraham do that? Why... Does that say, what does that say about the influence that Lot has had on Abraham during all these years that the older, and everyone knows, the older doesn't give the younger the choice. The younger takes what the older one gives them. But not in this case. Abraham had a love for Lot that we probably cannot comprehend for most of us. He wasn't his son, but did he not treat him better than a son? The two, for all reasons, didn't want to leave each other, but they had to. All their physical possessions of their world uh, can't make you happy when all the possessions of the world can't make you happy when you're fighting with your family, if that makes any sense. You know, if, if the family is always fighting over certain things, over certain possessions or, or worldly things, there can never be any peace, then it just doesn't make life worth living. And how much more, so, because we're sitting here in a, uh, in a you know, worship service setting, what about in the, in the church? When, when, when people can't get along in the church because of certain material possessions or jealousies between, uh, between two families, the worship service gets affected, right? That influence between that 
whatever's going on between those fam two families uh, will make the worship service affect that. God can see that. But Abraham didn't want to fight with a lot of, over this piece of land. He gave him his first choice. Um, so I see one day they go up on top of the valley. They look down. Or they go, not in the, go up in the valley. They go up on the mountain. They look down to the valley. Abraham Lot's talking. He says, Lot, you pick. Whatever you want. Doesn't matter to me. You go right, I go left. You go left, I go right. Lot should have given the choice back to Abraham. That would have been the right thing to do, right? But no, not this time. This time, Lot says, this is my chance to break away. I'm now going to be the one in charge. I'll be the leader, and I'm no longer going to be underneath my uncle Abraham. We've seen, uh, I've seen this when... Uh, different people in our society today, but one of the persons, if, if you ever did any studying or, or researched the vice president of the United States of America, and I'll be careful what I say here, but Kamala Harris, if you go back and you look at her biography on how she became vice president, you're going to see that she rode a lot of coattails to get to where she is. Um, it definitely wasn't what you would see as an earned position, but people brought her up from time and time again to where she is now. And that will affect your leadership. It affects her leadership today. It would reflect anyone, reflect anyone else's leadership that was given, you know, brought up by somebody else and somebody else, and then finally said, all right, I'm going to lead now, and we have, we've seen how she's done that since she's been vice president of this country. In verse 10, we see it says, And Lot lifted his eyes, and he saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go toward Zor. When he looked down to the valley there and he saw the plain of Jordan, he described it as like the Lord's garden. And we look back and we think, what is the Lord's garden? Well, that reminds us of Eden. Had anyone right there, had anyone seen Eden? No. It's been a thousand years since the Garden of Eden and more. But the stories that were told of how fertile it was and how great it was, it was still in the people's minds. And then it talks about the fertile lands of Egypt where they had just left, where they had their, their, their herds, their crops, there was plenty of grass, there was plenty of water. He looks down, he sees that valley. He sees Sodom and Gomorrah, a city that's already built there. He could move next door to it with all these possessions and he would become even more wealthy. He could build his houses, his barns. His uh, servants would have plenty of places to live. His Livestock would have plenty of food, and that's what he picked. Not once did he say, Uncle Abraham, I want you to make the choice for me, which there would have been nothing wrong with that. He is influenced by greed. We know he, he at, uh, looks can oftentimes be deceiving our lives, things that we think that's going to be so great that if we just had that, it will make us happy. And that's what he sees in that land. 
Millions of people fall for that today. The problem with the land was not that it was a bad land. The problem with the land was it didn't look like a good place to live according to God. Sodom and Gomorrah, right down the road there, he, uh, he moves his family to live on the outside of that. And it ends up that that city is going to influence him and his family way more than he ever expected. He had been traveling for all these years next underneath his, uh, his uncle Abraham, but now he's the leader. And now he's moved next to this city, a city that uh, we know was very wicked. And they're going to inflict on, uh, on Lot and his family a lot of influence. There's going to be a lot of things that he doesn't want to bring into his family because of his choice to move there. It will affect them greatly. When he made that choice, you, we can wonder now, what did Lot ever think? Or what did ever cross his mind on how will this affect my family moving to this piece of land? Abraham didn't worry about it, right? Why did Abraham not worry about where he went to? Because he knew that God was always going to be first. All right, we, we see from time and time again, when they went somewhere, there was a sacrifice made. By who? By Abraham. Lot was there. Lot with his family. He witnessed it all. Where do we see that Lot moved his family to this new land and he created an altar? That he worshiped God? You can look as long as you like, but we don't see that. But yet, I need to remind that Lot is still considered a righteous person, all right? Not all the things that happened to Lot is because of, of Lot's sins, but the influence around him caused a lot of the problems that he would, that he would cause on him and his family, who would eventually sacrifice the souls of his family over this piece of land. When we look at uh, Psalms chapter 7, or not chapter 7, Psalms chapter 37, verse 23, it says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delights in his way. That is Abraham to a T. He walked with God at each and every step of the way. Lot, as the new leader of his family, had not learned this lesson. Did Lot walk behind God? No, he did not. If Lot had been, he would have known that it was Abraham's choice in the beginning for the right piece of land. When the head of the family or the head of the church doesn't let God lead, bad things will eventually happen. Lot moved his family right next to Sin City and God just watched. He didn't say anything. He didn't stop him. He could have, but he didn't. Many weak members of the church have been faced with the same temptations as Lot. The world provided an escape to meet their life, to make their life seem better. But once they made the choice, they were consumed with more temptations for them and their families, which caused them to leave the church and never look back, causing not just them but whole generations of families to be lost. 
Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 22, he says, abstain from every evil. Instead of abstaining from evil, Lot moves his family next door to it. And he doesn't see the danger, just like me and you can make the same choices today, just to find out later it was just one of the devil's tricks. John Shannon is a gospel preacher that many of you might have heard him before but didn't know who he was. Uh, he's very popular. He preaches down close to the Memphis School of Preaching. But he wrote this article that I used to, to prepare this lesson. And in that article, he made a list of nine lessons to be learned from Lot's choice. And I want you to look at these or listen as I, as I go over them with you the rest of the night. Number one, it says, The direction that we pitch our tent may well determine our eternal destination. The direction we pitch our tent may well determine our eternal destination. In Genesis chapter 13, verse 12, it said, Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the seas of the plain, and he pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. If Lot had not chosen that piece of land, how much different would his life have been? Where we live matters, apparently. We live in a pretty safe community, right? With Jackson County, Gainesboro, Cookville. Uh, I think there's a couple over here that might have, you know, live over at Rickman. But uh, <laughs> not naming no names. <laughs> but uh, uh, where we live influences our lives and our family's lives. Me and Amber took this trip yesterday up to Nashville. And we hate Nashville. We both agree on that. You know, husband and wife, we should always agree, right? We both agree we hate Nashville. Um, that influence, people who live there, like how is it that you can live godly, Christ-like lives with all of the, and I'll use John Maybray's term, nasty stuff inside that city? Um, we were glad to be there. We were just as glad to make it home as well. Uh, number two, evil communications corrupt good manners. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. You know, the relationships that... that uh, that Lot had once he moved all of his family, once he left his family and started dealing with the people of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, what happened in return? Well, the people turned against Lot. They, they weren't for a man of God. They wanted to be a man, they wanted to be a man like them. They wanted to be a partier. They wanted to have someone who would uh, be willing and up for anything and everything that this city has to offer. And when you don't do that, they turn against you. Number three, cities may, may well bless us financially, but destroy us and our children spiritually. First Timothy chapter six, verse six through ten, it says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with 
these we shall be content but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith and their greediness and pierced themselves through with many arrows what got what he wanted as far as the land the location he was still wealthy, wealthy beyond all means because now he, had, he could grow his herds, his crops. He could, he could make it more and more, have more and more servants, even more wealthy. But at what cost? At a cost to his family that destroyed them. Number four, men and women can be too attached to their earthly possessions and as a result be eternally lost. We look at the example of Lot's wife, and we don't have to study that. We all know what happened to Lot's wife. She left her home. She left the place that she loved. She had one thing she had to do, which was not turn back, but she couldn't let go. She couldn't let go of what she just lost. And in the end, she looks back to the city, to the home, and she turns to a pillar of salt. Jesus gives the the parable of the rich young ruler who, who comes up to him and says, what do, I, what do I need to do? And he talks about how he kept all these things from his life and all the things that he had done for, for him. And, and Jesus said, okay, well, sell all you have and come and follow me. Then you can have eternal life. And we know how that went with the rich young ruler. Um, number five. When it comes time to break from the mistakes of life, we must break clean. In Luke chapter 9, verse 62, it says, But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And this is a hard thing to do. It's hard to, when you find yourself into a mistake or you find yourself in a sin, even for a Christian who has been a Christian for a very long time, it's hard for them to break clean and turn back sometimes. Because uh, whatever you were doing, it was a joy to you. It's something you don't want to give up. And we see it many times that uh, when someone does have a sin in their life, they struggle with, even though someone might come and help them and, and get them out of that sin, what happens a lot of times is they want to fall back into it. Uh, Number six, children often reflect the evil results of parents' decisions. Lot's daughters showed that leaving didn't take the influence away that was already in, embedded into them. And we, we know that what happened to Lot when he left and they had to live in the caves and, and uh, they were searching for their way, we know that Lot's daughters caused uh, Lot to sin because of that sin, Lot's inheritance, uh, his heirs, uh, were the city of Moab, the Moabites. We studied them a few weeks ago when God uh, told the king, the uh, Israel king, to go in and destroy them completely. Uh, also, I believe it was the Ammonites uh, was his other son that come from that, and God would in turn have them destroyed as well. But before he has them destroyed, Lot's sons would end up inflicting great grief upon the, the children of Israel. 
while they're living there in, in Canaan. We had Ronald, who Wednesday night had a lesson on a father whose sons were influenced greatly. They caused him a lot of grief when he talked about David, his son Absalom. Our children watch us, and I think for me personally, I can say I forget that, that I'm being watched by, by the lies at times. Um, but our, our influence on them and how we let them live their lives will influence their lives and their kids' lives. And we don't want generations lost by the way we live. Number seven, when we make a bad choice, someone will get hurt, either now or later. We can repent, but others may never repent. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 6-9, through 9, it says, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot to his oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteousness soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of the temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. Lot repented. Lot said, God, I'm so sorry I did this. Please save me. Save my family. And God allowed that. John talked about that this morning. All he needed was ten. Ten righteous souls would have saved that city. God couldn't even find ten even out of Lot and his family. So Lot was saved, but in the end, his wife died, and you have the daughters that we read about. Number eight, there is a pleasure in sin. However, once uh, started, it is hard to stop. Uh, in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 9, it says, Fools mock at sin, but among the upright there is favor. All right. In Hebrews 11, verse 25, it says, Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the, with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. People choose every day to serve themselves instead of serving God. And we all see that. I don't care where you are, wherever walk of life, if you're a child, if you're an adult, we see how people make choices for themselves. Man, me and Amber, we, we watched last night that concert, and, and to us, it was just funny. Uh, we're watching these people go get one drink and get another drink and get another drink to the point, you know, they're halfway staggering. And when you're in Nissan Stadium at, up at the top, like, like, like we are, you don't want to be staggering when you got to come down those steps. Uh, they're grabbing hold of the rails. And we, we watched this, this one guy, he, he come up early in the, in the concert, and he had, you know, he had a red, white, and a blue drink. And I'm like, oh, okay, he's coming up again. And a few minutes later, he's coming, he's got another one. He come, no, he's got another one. That influence of, that, of him doing that, he thought nothing of that. I mean, none of that bothered him whatsoever. But as I'm sitting there and watching, and I'm watching these these, I don't know, college-age kids in front of us, and I'm watching, they're, they're drinking one after the next, and I'm thinking to myself, how many of those really want to drink? 
And how many of those are just watching their peers, and that peer pressure says, well, you know, he had another one, I need to go get another one. Well, he's having another one again, well, I need to go have another one. How much of that was just that pressure of that influence? I mean, I was happy that, I was happy just to be there for this show, but some of these people, I thought, are you, how much are you really enjoying the show? How much are you just really enjoying just, just getting drunk? Just, just how much can you drink before they cut you off? Um, but anyway, that's worldly things. That's the world we live in. Um, and many millions suffer from their choices of sin and that. Number nine, last one. A righteous person can get too close to slippery places, slippery people, and slippery things. Jude, verse 7, it says, As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after the strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. The results of Sodom and Gomorrah, their sin, worldly sin, caused them to suffer an eternal fire, a fire that still burns today that even us can receive if we fall into these slippery places, hang out with slippery people, or do slippery things. If we could go back and we could talk to Lot today, do you think he would make a different choice? Lot died a righteous man, but at what cost? He lost his wife, his possessions, his daughters, and his future descendants would be a curse to God's people until God has them destroyed, the Moabites and Ammonites. The choice is simple. The life is hard. Serve God and not ourselves. Simple but can be difficult, right? Uh, God lets us choose today, but one day he will get the final say at judgment, and we will live with our choices for all of eternity.